Good morning. Welcome to the Morning Chat with Ed Ballinger on 97.7, 1450 AM, WAOB Vincennes, 97.3 FM in Washington. We begin this morning's show with Mark Hill from the Knox County United Way, also the United Way of Crawford County, Illinois. Good morning. Good morning, Ed. Springtime in the city, right? Yeah, it's it's kind of a laid back morning, isn't it? It is, yes. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. It it just seems like it's a laid back morning. All right, but you brought me a list and it's not laid back. No, no, no. It's a a busy time of the year, uh, for sure. The uh, uh, Vita Tax Service has kept us busy all month, actually, uh, with a lot of packets that we prepare and then helping process the printing and things on the other end. Um, So we've... uh, come close to 200 people that we've served so far the the little slower uh this past saturday you know mostly because of the weather um and then uh, so we anticipate actually we'll probably have a pretty good crowd coming up on this last saturday which is uh, the last day that we'll take new uh applicants and process their uh, taxes for them and return them the following saturday so uh, we greatly thank uh, joyce and jay conrad our organizers and all the volunteers that uh, participated in this year's event you know it's just it's amazing i mean i don't think people realize the amount of work that goes in this i mean it's a lot of work mark yeah, i don't, mean I don't, yeah. mean I don't mean putting it together. i mean just doing taxes right and, and of course um some people's taxes are more complicated than others others are quite simple um and that's part of the process here and of course there are a lot of options um uh, citizens have these days to uh, process their own taxes online even through some major firms um uh, like h&r block and intuit you know offer you know a free pathway uh, of course they're looking to you know give you more and uh, they'll grab you if you go on their line and say well you know we could do this for you for you know not a whole lot more <clears throat> but uh, but there are some people that have a a fair amount of um maybe let's just say less sophistication and you know don't really know all the ins and outs of what changes each year in the tax laws so that's one advantage that the vita program has that there's training built in for the volunteers and of course this program goes on uh, through generations as well for uh, seniors so mm-hmm. there's a good core of people that are doing taxes for folks okay i just lo- i just love the idea of you helping people on this yeah i mean it's um, it, it's important you know, I, I would say it's vital. Yeah, vital vita. Yeah, right. I like that, Ed. We got a new buzzword there. Oh, well, okay. Hey, you're going you're gonna to need something after the eclipse. So. Trademark that, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Hey, you know, we, you and I talked before we went on the air that, uh, you know, last Friday was kind of an interesting day for weather because, wow. you know, in the morning we're talking about flurries and one to three inches and right. you know and <clears throat> we go on noon nothing looking at the radar a little light blue and all of a sudden you know uh mr parsley at the schools and, and, <laughs> and the business community and then the other school districts start following letting out at two o'clock like do they know something i don't know and i go mm. back to the radar like okay yeah <laughs> it's coming <laughs> snowmageddon yeah. yeah it it's uh it did catch people by surprise for sure and uh, i was actually in indianapolis for our quarterly directors meeting um and so uh, i was sitting where actually at the annual meeting we have at lunchtime with the the indiana united way board of directors along with all the execs uh bill had a window in that room and i was looking out and it's just gently snowing you know about noon to one o'clock but then you know it really came down so it took me a long time to get home for sure okay well we're glad you made them safe yeah yeah. but it was it was quite uh the event and yes. it came fast yeah 
So, and you know what? I'll also applaud the uh, street department and the county highways that uh, once it stopped snowing, they really got a lot of stuff cleared off. So the main roads were were really passable. Uh, you know, that same day. Now, you guys went right into mode that hey, even though the temperatures were mm-hmm. more thirty-ish or right right, right now, but you know, but there were people that were. It, it was. A snow event, they needed somewhere to go. Yeah, we had some calls pretty uh, early on when uh, that, that hit, and uh, so we decided to reopen the uh, warming center there at St. Paul's um, with the help of our volunteers and the collaboration with the city and the emergency management system. So we were able to do that. Uh, obviously, not as many people um, took advantage of that as uh, we had in the past, but still it met the needs of, you know, four or five people that were uh, would have been pretty much stranded in a pretty significantly challenged challenging environment. So it was outside the normal parameters, but we felt like it met the criteria for us to pull the trigger on that. Okay, great idea, though. I mean, you know, just like now we've really got something in place here, don't we? Yeah, I think that's, you know, we're still trying to um, um, customize that a little bit better. So we have specific people, a number. We'd like to have a number that people can call rather than, you know, calling the volunteer director's, you know, cell phone. I mean, that's kind of what we're doing now, but we try to, we're going to try to orchestrate that a little bit better um, and and have some training for the volunteers. We've looked at a number of things that we'd like to systemize. So we'll be working on that here over the next month. You know, it's really interesting, Mark, because a year ago, we probably weren't even talking about something like this. It wasn't, wasn't, it was not, maybe on the radar, but not as big as it is now which means it once again the united way has seen something that needs to be taken care of yeah i think that uh, the uh, uh you know multiple uh, players at work here you know uh, there there's a an effort afoot to uh by a, another group to establish some kind of regular shelter in the community for city sunrise and they've been working on that uh, for the last couple of years of course we did establish an emergency shelter uh, the year before um, in the Margaret Compton hub uh, there during a really extremely cold period around Christmas time of uh, 2022. And uh, so we had some precedence in doing that. So I think moving forward, uh, um, you know, we hope to be as uh, regulated as we can. But again, this falls heavily on volunteers and we can't thank those people enough. All right. So again, just another another avenue mm. to put in the old resume file or, <laughs> or our or port or our how about our united way portfolio there you go Ed, that's a you're you're the king of buzz, buzzwords this morning oh right? i'm ready put me Vital. in coach oh, Vital vida and the uh, <laughs> united way portfolio right? hey you know what put me in coach oh, that's from a song there you go <laughs> okay. all all right. Right. we have our own bump music yeah, for this segment. okay hey i may go find it who knows all yeah. right um all right, now let's we're wrapping up the campaign. Yeah, it's pretty much wrapped. Uh, we, you know, we had uh, we have to wrap it up in order to proceed with the allocation process, which is our first step in distributing funds that we've collected in the campaign. Um, and so, uh, in fact, yesterday I was spending time. Um, uh, building uh, checks for uh, designations that happen outside of our partner agencies. But we were able to get within 95% of last year's total, which was, I think, commendable considering some of the challenges we had going into this year with the economy as well um, as like our largest uh, donor base, the uh, Good Samaritan Hospital. Um, you know, had a segmentation of the, the Samaritan Center uh, come under the um, 
um, um, family health center uh, umbrella and so that's changed some of the dynamics of how people donate and where they donate so so those had contributing factors to making this maybe not as successful as we would have liked but 95 percent is pretty good under the circumstances well you know and and that's that you know i i look at it this way the way the economy is the way prices are going up no oh, yeah there's and then you know all kinds of groups are asking for help right i mean and and, and then, let me just say that all of them are worthwhile groups i mean i mean if they ask for donations, absolutely why yeah that's the that's probably the most challenging part of the allocation process is uh, that apples and oranges uh, comparison i mean we do have standards that we maintain with uh, you know there are four pillars of services uh, and and we say this even at our state meeting and you know, it's like we love the animal shelter we love animals but that doesn't fall under the um, umbrellas of services that we uh, support so we support health mental health uh, income stabilization um, education and basic need uh, those always have been the four pillars of United Way. And then, of course, you know, we, we have been very fortunate in this area uh, with uh, matching grants, not only matching grants, but other grants that Eli Lilly provides to our community in other fashions as well, as we're well aware of through the news. Um, and then we have organizations uh, of a large corporate nature like Duke that also make contributions uh, towards us and through us that allow us to distribute <clears throat> assistance for uh, utilities and for um, um, heat and those, those kind of processes and food. So uh, we've been very fortunate to have that rich relationship with Duke as well. You know, you mentioned Eli Lilly. I think we could do probably a whole show on them. I yeah, mean, I, I mean, mean, I think that, you know, and again, I think a lot of people hear about Lilly Grants in different venues. I mean, I go way back to thinking about like the establishment of the, the old cathedral library mm -hmm. uh which is a, just a fantastic uh, collection of books and memorabilia and things that uh, it, they go back even to the 11th century um through uh, what um, uh, bishop brute had here in vincennes when he moved here from france and so but that library was established uh, through a lily grant um so lily has you know 10 percent of their profits that they uh, designate to uh, not-for-profits and, and um, historical preservation and, uh, you know, now in recent years in, in helping with things like uh, child care and those kind of efforts. So, uh, yeah, they are a, a, an outstanding state neighbor. Okay, let's take a break. We'll have more with Mark after this on WAOV. Save money and time by shopping with TOC Direct Mail. It comes to your mailbox every week and includes great buys on what you need and what you want. Look for TOC Direct in your mailbox this week. I told you. I, I just felt like pitchers and catchers get ready to report, right? <laughs> <laughs> Willie Mays Hayes, right? All right. All right. That gets us into spring mode. There you go. All right. It also gets us into the allocation mode, which uh, you know is really, um, I would say, I mean, you guys do a lot of important things. This process, though, I think would be one of the most challenging. Is it? You know, what board members tell me, and I, I really appreciate this, is that this really helps them more fully understand what our agencies do, what parts of services they provide in the, in the uh, community, 
And in, in fact, in some cases, in some more complicated agencies, you know, we may only have one small piece of the pie. In others, you know, we're basically their primary support in services that they provide. And so, um, but, but it really does give uh, the board members a lot of information to process, a lot of appreciation of what they do. And then our expectation for the 12 people that serve on this committee is that they'll reach out individually to each of the grant writers uh, of these agencies and get as much detail as they can and ask questions. And, and the agency people will tell me, we really appreciate knowing that you guys care enough to do this. Um, so we've tried to simplify the process. Everything's online. Everything comes in digitally so we don't have to kill you know, hundreds of trees and producing documents all the time. So we're able to pass around those documents digitally to people that review them. But it really is uh, it's a helpful process and gets a greater understanding. At the same time, it's a challenging thing because you know we do a number of other things in the community, not just uh, the contributions to partner agencies. We do, we do our impact work mostly through uh, Lily grants that we get as a part of our campaign um, and then and participate in other projects and processes uh, throughout the uh, county and in collaboration with multiple players just like the homeless task force is a good example of that so um, you know there's more to what the United Way does than just fund these 30 agencies but it it's important and of course we never have enough dollars to fully fund what they would like um, so we have to kind of dampen those expectations about what's realistic and try to do the best we can. And, and Margie Case, who's our board chair, is the uh, chairperson of that allocation process as well, which, um, which is technically is called the Community Investment Committee. Um, and so, uh, you know, we, we did meet um, uh, Thursday of last week and processed those uh, requests, made our recommendations, and then those recommendations go next week to our full board. And then once that full board makes those uh, approvals, then we can proceed with announcing the awarding of those grants and information to the agencies in early March. Okay, the thing is, the number 30, is that about the, the number of allocations you normally yeah, have? What is that, does that fluctuate a little bit? Uh, well, it does fluctuate, although I think there are two things. Number one, um, you know, if you get more than that, it, it, de it de definitely um, um, you know, lessens the amount of funds that can be distributed to other agencies. So we have to prioritize. So I think that we'll probably have a board retreat this summer to kind of take a look at how best to prioritize those issues, whether we put limits on the, um, the, the highest amount that somebody can request in a grant. Um, and, and we're always looking for ways to, to make that more meaningful in the community and make sure that we're measuring impact that happens with these dollars. Okay. Again, uh, 30 just seems like it's a, to it's me, a it's, it's a big number. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a big number, which means, A, we have a lot of great groups. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I mean, we yes, do. absolutely. And so what you look for is duplication of efforts and those kind of things. And, you know, we don't want two people uh, at different agencies applying for the same need. You know, we want them to work together. And that's, that's a purpose of our agency meeting, too, and to look at ways that we can collaborate with each other. And then we have, as I mentioned here on, in past shows, we have a collaboration of the uh, foundation directors, uh, the Hospital Foundation, the, the Vincennes uh, School uh, uh, foundation, um, uh, Good Samaritans Foundation, and ourselves, 
meet quarterly to kind of look at, hey, you know, we're all doing some of the same kind of work. Now, the, a foundation is different than a United Way, but essentially we are awarding dollars for these kind of services. So we try to unduplicate things as much as we can. All right, great, great. So anyway, uh, that process will begin next month, you say? Well, we start distributing those dollars. Oh. Uh, next, next uh, we'll announce those next month, and then they oh, get paid. Right. The agencies get paid quarterly. Uh -huh. So, just I'm just spitballing here. If somebody <clears throat> got an award for ten thousand dollar grant, then they would get four quarterly payments of twenty five hundred dollars. Okay, when does that start? Is that that start starts in April? In April. Okay. Yeah, so and the reason for that is that uh, we have to accumulate dollars from payroll deductions. So, um, somebody pledges to pay throughout the year of 2024 through payroll deduction, whether it's at the hospital or the family health center or KCRC, wherever they're making that payroll deduction, um, those dollars get accumulated across time. So you can't pay everybody all that money up front because you don't have it. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. So again, um, there'll be a lot of uh, happy organizations. I would think if you get anything, you should be happy. Yeah, I think there's a certain amount of that. I mean, one of the questions we ask people right up front is like, uh, you know, would you be willing to accept less than what you're asking for? So if somebody has a $5,000 grant and we're only able to give them $4,000, so they're gonna accept that 95% of the time they're gonna say yes. And and the 5% who say no. <laughs> Probably uh, won't be on the pledge card next year. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just uh, good luck. <laughs> There's a lot of car washes to make up. <laughs> right. That's all right. Okay, well, that's great. Getting, uh, and, and it's good. The other thing is Margie doing this. She's been a campaign chair. Yes, yes. That's a really important piece. I mean, Ryan Chatton, who was our campaign chair two years ago, uh, became a board member as a part of being in this process and being a part of the uh, allocation uh, process when he was um, uh, the uh, chair, our co-chair of our campaign. This year, Robin Montgomery uh, became a part of our allocation committee because she felt so strongly about what we were doing and wanted to be involved. And so that's a piece that she can do. So she also has a greater understanding now of where these dollars go. So we always look to our uh, folks like this. We have some other volunteers. Um, Caitlin Organ's a good example. Helen Syrup, who previously served on our board, uh, is now working, uh, uh, was working at the Pantheon, but she continued on in the allocation process. So it's not just board members, but community people as well. All right, great stuff. All right, marketing committee. So we're trying to look at, uh, you know, <clears throat> uh, being able to develop a full calendar for this year and uh, that and particularly for those uh, signature events that we do uh, getting dates on the calendar for uh, the kickoff event for the day of caring uh, we do intend to bring back the chili cook-off uh, this year so we're trying to look at dates that make the most sense but we're also looking for other potential events that we might have that bring some different color some you know there's a lot like you mentioned before there are all kinds of people doing fundraisings and 5Ks and events in the community. And, you know, we tried this winter desperately to pull something together, but we just didn't have the time to work that out. So we're trying to give ourselves a little bit more time uh, to be able to plan those things for this spring and summer. Okay. Now let's go over to Illinois. What's going on there? So they are a little bit ahead of us and uh, the, uh, the, their process is slightly simpler. They, uh, a significant amount of their contributions come from some major uh, industry um, in Crawford County, uh, specifically uh, uh, Marathon and Hershey uh, and a few others. 
that are that are there and are strong supporters of ours. So we have a little better uh, feel of those dollars. I, I think Knox County's campaign is a little bit more diversified, um, but uh, but that's also a challenge trying to put all those things together. And uh, so they were able to distribute about two hundred and forty thousand uh, dollars to 22 agencies in Crawford County. So they have a little smaller group of um, agencies they work with, but that but they did uh, a nice job with that and a very similar process in terms of, uh, of having each board member take uh, three three agencies to review um, and then give details to that to the full group. Okay, all right. The other thing I wanted to mention was the golf outing is again, uh, this year going to be earlier and it's going to be in May, which uh, of course is kind of challenging for Mark because the uh, this year's events, May 22nd, 23rd, which is just a couple of days before the rendezvous. Oh, so it's like, <laughs> uh, your well, May is taken, I, man. Yeah, so I'm like, you're going to do a win? <laughs> but, and, but that's a great event. And I don't want to take any credit at all for the Marathon Golf Outing because they, they Marathon runs that. Uh, certainly Barb. Scheimer and uh, some of our board members have been involved in work certain holes and do things like that, uh -huh. and I have in the past. But uh, but uh, but but's a well-oiled machine, and uh, they certainly know what they're doing. And uh, kudos to them. And I know that I, I've talked to the people at Duke here. You know, Duke did a really nice silent auction and been a great Edwardsport plant's been a great uh, contributor, and they they would like to do something even more extensive like what. Um, Crawford County does with their golf outing. Okay. Mark, always a pleasure. Take care of yourself. We'll see you next month. Thanks, Ed. All right. Stay tuned. More of the morning chat coming up on WAOV. Have you ever missed one of your favorite local shows on WAOV? Ever missed the morning chat, Mark and Mark, or even financial questions, real answers? Well, that's not a problem anymore. WAOV has our local shows on podcast and easy to get to them. Go to WAOVAM.com and click on the podcast tab at the top to find your show. It's that easy. So if you miss Vintage Vincent, legal news or views, or just the tips, listen to the podcast the next day. Go to WAOVAM.com and find your podcast. Welcome back to the Morning Chat with Ed Ballinger on 97.7 FM, 1450 AM, WAOV in Vincennes, also at 97.3 FM in Washington. Charles Boyd from Indianapolis, at Social Security, our guest this segment. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, we're, you know, we're going to talk about, it, it needs to be talked about, <laughs> it's taxes. <laughs> I said taxes, not Texas. It's taxes today, so... Well, first of all, good morning. How are you? Good morning. So glad to be here. I appreciate your show and the opportunity to share Social Security information with your listeners, even when we have to talk about some difficult topics. Uh, well, you know what? It's topics that need to be discussed. Absolutely. You know, we've got a, a clock in our town, Charlotte. Well, it's on a website for the eclipse, okay, until... The eclipse happens and it's a, it's a countdown i told them that when that eclipse is over i want that clock and i'm going to start my retirement clock <laughs> three years eight months and how many i i'm going to start a retirement clock and that's we're going to we're going to run with it all right i love it okay all right let's talk about taxes uh the first thing is I guess, is it safe to say every year there's always something different about taxes? You know, yeah, I'm going to say yes. And I'm going to say because 
you know, our income, you know, changes, our factors, what did we earn, things like that, you know, generally, you know, change each year. So you might be, you know, it might affect how much, you know, how much income you have is going to determine whether or not things are taxable. You know, when I think about Social Security, just to throw out some numbers, about 40% of the people who get Social Security must pay federal income taxes on those Social Security benefits. Um, and, and this usually happens if they have other substantial income in addition to their Social Security benefits. And so that's the reason why I would say, yes, you know, it changes because, you know, other income can include wages or earnings from self-employment, interest, dividends, and even some, you know, non-taxable income that must be reported on your taxes. Okay. All right. So um, I guess the first question we always had was what form to use. Okay. What is, you know, if, if it's a basic, you know, if you own property and you have all these contributions and, you know, claim it on your taxes, you're, you're better off going long form. And in my case, I just take it to an accountant. But I mean, some people prefer to do it themselves. Uh, some of them go online, you know, they got those programs you could buy to help you out. But what is the most important thing as far as Social Security is concerned when it comes to taxes? Absolutely. Social Security taxes and forms. Well, one form is a form that you would have gotten from Social Security in January. And that's called the Social Security Benefit Statement. It's an SSA 1099, or you might have received an SSA 1042S. And that form shows the amount of benefits that you received for that previous year. And you're going to need that form when you're completing whatever um, IRS tax form that you're completing to do your taxes. You're going to need this SSA 1099 or 1042 to be able to show how much Social Security benefits that you received. And then to just take it a step further, what the IRS is going to do, they're going to determine what your combined income is. So that's basically your adjusted gross income, your non-taxable interest, and then half of the Social Security benefits that you receive. So that's the reason why you needed that form. I know your listeners are probably wondering, well, how much of their Social Security benefits included in their taxable income? And, and that's going to de- be dependent upon what that combined income number is. Um, I want to kind of talk extremes. If that combined number is under 25000 for an individual return or 32000 for a joint return, then, and I have good news for those listeners, they would not have to pay any income tax security benefit. Wow. Wow. Then let me, let me give the other... It's not bad news, it's just news. Okay, all right. (laughs) The other would be (laughs) if that combined number, remember that combined number is your adjusted gross income, non-taxable interest, and half of your Social Security benefit. If that combined number is over $34,000 for an individual tax return, or if it's over $44,000 for a joint return, then 85% of all of your Social Security benefit it's going to be included in your taxable income. Okay. All right. Is this new or has this always been that way? 
this has this has been a standard this has been a standard rule. But for your listeners who are just receiving Social Security for the first time, this might be new information to them. So we're talking about that. If you receive Social Security benefits, depending on what your other income is, you might have to pay some income taxes on those Social Security benefits. And so I want to throw out, I'm going to call it a lifeline this morning. Okay, all right. That we need one. We need one. <laughs> okay. We do. We do. Cause, the lifeline because I want to throw out. And I love this time of the year because I always get to quote my late grandmother, mm-hmm. um, is that you can volunteer and have income taxes withheld from your Social Security benefit. So each month as you get that benefit, you can have taxes withheld. So that way when you get to this time of the year, you already have some uh, saved up to pay, kind of like when we're working we have income taxes withheld. Well, IRS would like for you to know that in retirement, you can have it withheld. My grandmother would say it's a cinch by the inch, but it's hard by the yard. Mm-hmm. And uh, so have it. you can have it withheld for your listeners. Let me tell them what the form number, because you kind of set the atmosphere when you talked about forms. The form number that you are able to fill out and send to Social Security have income taxes withheld from your Social Security benefit. It is called the W for withhold, the number four, and the V as in voluntary. So it's a voluntary withholding request. So it's the W for withholding, the number four, and the V as in voluntary. That W for ed percentages with 7 and 10, over 22%, you want to have withheld from your Social Security benefits. Okay. Now... Is there a way to prevent these taxes from happening? I mean, can you take out more if, on this uh, other line of work to prevent this from happening? Or it doesn't matter. You're still going to have to pay those taxes. You know, well, when I think about the withholding form and, and volunteering, then I'm able to kind of prevent me having an amount to pay that I'm not prepared for. Okay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So let's say if my liability is I owe 1500 well, if I had it withheld as I went, then I have that amount there to be able to, to, be able to pay it. Um, IRS's website is a phenomenal um, resource. So I know I'm here representing Social Security, and we're talking about taxing, uh, taxes that you may have to pay on Social Security. But IRS, since they are the ones who handle the whole taxation, I want to highlight a publication they have, Ed, that I think would be helpful for your listeners because they kind of go through step by step. Okay. And the publication I recommend your listeners to look at is the IRS publication 915. It's titled Social Security and Equivalent Railroad Retirement Benefit. You can go to irs.gov um, to get their publication. Of course, it's going to be there in a PDF where you're able to save or print. But, Ed, it goes through the step-by-step, line-by-line in understanding um, if you have to pay taxes on that Social Security benefit. Okay, all right. Um, all right, see, that this is something totally new to me. Totally new. I'm glad you brought this up because I would not have ever thought that would you'd have to, but I, I can understand. Um, and, that, and I think that people have to realize when they take out Social Security out of your, your pay right now, 
that's just money going out. I mean, there's no taxes involved there at all. So that is really non-taxable income, isn't it, when you think about it? Well, you know, if, um, if a person only, is only receiving Social Security benefits, then they would not have to pay any income taxes on that Social Security benefit. So that is definitely um, a good point to state that if you're only getting Social Security benefits, so you don't have any additional income, so we're not talking about having additional wages, pensions, but for um, that listener that's just getting Social Security benefits, they would not have to pay any income taxes on that Social Security benefit because, again, when you look at that formula, they would be under that 25000 Sure. Um, for that individual return or under that 32 for the joint because they wouldn't have, you know, that adjusted, you know, adjust, adjusted gross income, et cetera. Um, you know, Ed, I want to add, too, as we're just thinking, as I'm just processing and, you know, I'm thinking about my, my own self. I'm not receiving Social Security, but I'm thinking about how I handle my taxes. As I get all the tax forms in throughout the month, mm-hmm. I kind of put them in a pile. And then I grab that pile and I organize it and I get that stuff together. And like you said, I take it to the person who prepares my taxes. When you, for your listeners, when you're going through your forms, if you're if you get Social Security benefits and you're going through those forms, and you either didn't receive or you misplaced your form from Social Security, that SSA 1099, I want them to know that they can instantly go. Um, to their Secure My Social Security account and simply print, print it. Mm-hmm. So, again, I know we've talked about that account on your on your show before, but I just wanted to know that you're able to get replacement documents. You're able to go in, choose the year from the drop-down box, and download um, your replacement um, tax form what from about, us. So, um, what about uh, if, it, if your year overla- overlaps? In other words, I retire on June 1st, Okay. Uh, I had income up till June 1st, then I retired June 1st, then I have no more income. Uh, that shouldn't make a difference then, should it, as far as your Social Security is oh, concerned? Oh, that's an excellent question. Their formula is really like a flat formula. So going to look at your adjusted gross income mm-hmm. plus any non-taxable interest and half of the Social Security benefits that you received for that year. Um, so they would look at those you earned from January through the end of May, mm-hmm. plus the Social Security you would have received from June through December, and then based off of the formula, that would determine how much of your Social Security benefit would be included in your taxable income. So, you know, just depending on that, I know that um, I hear advertisements and things where people talk about strategizing and to start benefits and things like that. And so just depending on if taxation was a factor to you, that could be something, that, uh, a reason why someone might think about when they would start their benefit. But excellent question. And the formula stays the same regardless of when you started um, your benefits when it comes to taxing the benefit. Yeah. Also, now keep in mind, this does not include any kind of pension or anything like that you're receiving, right? This is just your income that, that, that you've earned through work, right? You know, Ed, you are asking the questions I know your listeners are asking because if they could call in, your lines would be all lit up <laughs> and they would be asking what you're asking. So the question is, is, is the IRS going to look at your pension when they're trying to determine um, that combined income? And the answer is yes. 
they are at everything. So let me hear what we're talking about is we're talking about will your Social Security benefit be subject to income taxes? And the answer is what they're going to do to make that determination. They're looking at your adjusted gross income. So that does include your pensions, you know, your annuities, your uh, self-employment wages, dividends. Your, your 401k you know, also? Yeah, 401k. Um, or, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Excellent question. They're looking at, the best thing I think we could say is that they're looking at everything because they're also looking at non-taxable interest. So like if you had some uh, income from municipal bonds, et cetera. So they're looking at everything and then half of the Social Security benefit you received, that equals your combined income. Or, um, the highest liability of that combined income, 34000 for joint return. Or if we're looking at a, um, I'm sorry, for joint return, if it's over 44000 for an individual return, if it's over 34000 then they're at that 85% rate. But I need to clarify it's not that 85% of your, um, it's not that your tax at an 85% rate. It's that 85% of all of your Social Security benefit is included in your taxable income. And, and I'm going to just do a real quick sidebar because I'm one of those Americans, I'm fortunate enough that I will have a pension when I retire. Mm-hmm. 100% of my pension is going to be included in my taxable income. But highest liability, worst case scenario, only 85% of my Social Security benefit would be included in my taxable income. And again, for more information, that IRS Pub um, 915 is a great resource. Okay. Uh, one more question that has, and this is really going on to a deep end. I don't, I don't know how much you can explain. We only have about four or five minutes left. Since we talk about Social Security, we're talking about as you're older. What happens if you have received uh, benefits from a spouse passing? And, and, you, and you get that, that money that way. I mean, is that taxable as well? And I hate to ask, be morbid on this, but it could happen. And I'm just wondering, there's another income or benefit you're going to get that, is it open or is that protected? Excellent question, Ed. You know, so we're talking about income taxes and we're talking about Social Security benefits. And so the question you're asking is, if a person was receiving survivor Social Security benefits, would that survivor benefit be subject to income taxes? Right. Excellent question. And the answer is, it's the same rule. Okay. And it's that, so it's that same rule IRS is going to look at that adjusted gross income, non-taxable interest, <clears throat> and then half of that survivor benefit they received for the year to, deter- to determine that combined income. So excellent Excellent discussion, and I just want to bring back into the discussion understanding how you can have the taxes withheld as you go, because like for myself, with me working, I, you know, we just automatically, you have taxes withheld from your wages, right? You don't even kind of notice it, um, but you have it there, so when you're, it's time for tax time, you have that bucket to be able to pay it from. You can volunteer Just like, you know, so we're talking about income, this is Social Security income, you can volunteer to have taxes withheld from this income as well. And again, that form number, and I say you can use whatever search engine you um, has your heart, so you could uh, use a search engine to find it. (laughs) You could also just go to, um, 
You can also just go to www.irs.gov slash pub, P-U-B. And um, it's the, again, the form number is the W, that's the letter, dash four, the number, and V as in voluntary. It's the, volu- it's the voluntary withholding request form where you're able to pay as you go in retirement, um, regardless of what type of Social Security benefit you're receiving. Okay. All right. That, that's good to know because I know I'm the kind that takes, even right now, I take extra money out just just to be safe, you know, and and, and so I'm used to doing that. So I don't, it's being taken out. I don't see it. I don't spend it. So that's, it's easier for me to do it that way. I'm glad you could do that by just by going through that form. So, wow. you Fenced by the inch and card by the yard. It is. You know what? Here I was. I started off our conversation with that clock. Maybe I want that clock to slow down just a little bit. So I learned more about this because I had no clue today. I had no clue, folks. You know, we, we talked about a topic. This was, and I don't know how many years we've done this, Sharo. I don't know if we, this is the first time I've ever think we've talked about this. You know, I think it's getting, you're getting closer to it. And it's, it's resonating with you more. Well, maybe that's <laughs> it. That's it, Ted. Maybe I was on an island the last time we talked about it. I don't remember, but wow, good conversation. Of course, you can find all this on your website. Absolutely. SSA.gov um, is our website. Um, again, we talked about creating that secure my social security, getting your social security, or if you're receiving benefits, getting any replacement documents. Our toll-free number, Ed, 1-800-772-1213. I want to make sure that I do mention as we close out our segment that, you know, it is we're still in February, and we recognize and celebrate, you know, National Black History Month. You know, it's a time dedicated to honoring the remarkable achievements and contributions of African Americans throughout history. And so Social Security understands that our services and our benefits, you know, they touch the lives of all Americans. You know, we're committed to advancing the equity and ensuring access for everyone. So I just wanted to mention that we have a website, ssa.gov slash people slash African Americans, where we've put, um, you know, information that kind of, it's tailored to different groups, and we have that ssa.gov slash people for many other groups as well. So as I highlight our website, and I wanted to also mention, you know, as we honor National Black History Month. All right. Thank you so much for your time, Cheryl, as always, and we'll talk to you next month. Thanks, Ed. All righty. Stay tuned. More of the morning chat is coming up on WAOV.